Welcome to Drug Discovery News Talk Science, a podcast where we discuss the latest news in preclinical and translational research. Behind every medical and scientific advancement lies a harrowing story of mystery and discovery. Come with us as we share these stories and connect you to the scientific minds behind them. For the Drug Discovery News custom content team, I'm Tiffany Garbutt. In this episode, we discuss the value of biobanking. In an increasingly digital world, many scientists still work with basic paper and pen. Often, critical information gathered during clinical trials gets buried in laboratory notebooks or overly complex Excel documents. Unearthing this information and creating a central hub for big scientific data is more than simply a technical advancement. It is critical to uncovering new scientific discoveries. This episode is supported by LabVantage, which delivers the first laboratory information management system pre-configured for biorepositories. It includes all the functionality needed for biobanking, but deploys at a fraction of the time, cost, and risk of a traditional system. Now, let's talk science. Science is always in flux, with scientists constantly developing and pursuing new scientific ideas. The process of discovery itself is a winding road in which one conclusion gives way to a completely new research direction, leaving other data behind. Even clinical trial experiments are a wellspring of abandoned information. Often scientists accumulate supplemental data on patients' lifestyles and additional tissue samples for downstream studies. When clinical trials conclude, tissue samples and information are often left tucked away in freezers and buried in notebooks in individual laboratories. In this episode, we speak with Grant Rossler, a systems analyst at Oregon Health and Science University, about how his team unearthed vital information across 50 disparate research studies on oncology into a centralized hub, breathing new life into buried samples and opening the door for future research possibilities. I went to school, got a degree in political science, so nothing related to working in a hospital. When I was in college, I was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so I missed my first year of college. And so I went to college, had no intention of going into science at all, and then just sort of fell into research after working for this nonprofit. And it's one of those weird things where I ended up working for the university system where I got treated, and I got treated with a drug that was part of research that was done at the institution. So it's super fulfilling because I think me being alive is a little bit of the result of some researcher that was toiling away the 2000s or in the late 90s. And so maybe I can facilitate a little bit of that. Once a research project concludes or a scientist leaves the laboratory, the samples they collected and even the data they accumulated often remain untouched. Meanwhile, researchers in different departments at the same university may be simultaneously collecting the same types of samples to pursue a related research question. This disconnect between research groups costs scientific institutions and individual laboratories a significant amount of time and resources. To overcome this problem, Rossler and his team of analysts reached out to diverse research groups across the Oregon Health and Science University campus and created a centralized biobanking repository for approximately 50 different research studies on various cancers. The main push was just to not have redundancies in the system, which just about anybody could appreciate is just the fact that you're not having 50 people doing the, the same thing. The other was just the idea that 
there are samples and there's resources out there that could be utilized for research and aren't being utilized if they're just sitting in a freezer. For us, it's primarily about having a centralized point of contact for people that are looking to utilize samples. For most people, the thought of biobanking sparks images of physical tissue samples preserved in formaldehyde or frozen in time. But there are numerous types of biobanks. Some biobanks physically store samples. Other biobanks serve as a centralized hub for scientific data. These data-based biobanks collate, organize, and store information collected during research studies and clinical trials. While data-based biobanks may not store physical samples in one location, they serve as a resource to tell researchers where a sample might be located on a sprawling research campus. To create a centralized biobank, Rossler and his team needed a reliable and vetted digital system. At the time, there were not many vendor options for managing and tracking scientific data digitally. Many decision committees at research institutions turned to homegrown digital systems created by developers from scratch to manage information. While homegrown databases offer the most flexibility for tailoring digital features, they are often so specifically configured that they are difficult to use. Where it came down to picking the correct application versus this kind of homegrown idea is just the idea of long-term support and having just an enterprise system that you don't have to be necessarily the subject matter experts and you don't have to be the one that's driving all the, the new functionality of the system over time. That's what led us to go the direction we went with just purchasing a vendor system. When we started with the application that we used, biobanking was a very small part of, of what their portfolio managed. In 2013, we came on. We were one of a handful of biobanks. Jumped to 2018, and there's a ton of different hospital systems that are doing this kind of centralized biobanking. It's a trend that's just going to continue. Once hospitals recognize that these samples are valuable and this research is valuable and it shouldn't just die on the vine, it's inevitable that they're going to try to centralize and bring all those things together. Identifying the best vendor was not the only challenge. The biggest challenge was convincing researchers to share their data. Some scientists had their own defunct mini-biobanks full of samples in long-term storage. Convincing these scientists whose research had long since been completed was easy. However, convincing researchers that were still actively using the samples and pursuing related research questions was more difficult. Every scientist collected their data differently and had different ideas about how best to represent their data. Rossler's job was to make the process easier. He and his team worked with each scientist individually to develop a system that worked for everyone. Part of their buy-in is being a team player, which takes a lot of humility. For them, the benefit of not working in your own silo is big. This happens surprisingly a lot where researchers will find out through you know, a biorepository there's other doctors doing very similar work on related samples or you know, maybe the research is related. There's been a lot of groups that will sync up for research. They think they're the only ones collecting information regarding a certain part of research. And then they'll find through requesting a data poll from the, the database, oh, there's similar information being collected by somebody else, and this can actually enhance my research. There's a possibility for collaboration that would exist. 
with centralizing all this data and, and these samples that wouldn't have been possible if we didn't get all this information together. Creating a centralized biobank also reduces some of the legwork required to propel preclinical research to the next step. The regulatory process requires that scientists carefully track experimental changes. This is typically done by hand or through convoluted Excel documents. Instead, laboratory information management systems electronically track these changes, providing the careful control and release of patient-protected information and samples, and streamlining the process needed for regulatory submission. If it's more centralized, you're able to create those mechanisms that are going to provide you more accountability and more quality control over how you handle and release samples and data. The processing of samples and the movement of samples in the system is going to take a little bit longer because there are these gateways, these checks that you have to go through. If you make an edit, you're going to have to sign out that you were the user that did it. And there's these layers of accountability that are built into a system that I think definitely help. Today, Rossler continues to coordinate the transition of additional research groups to Oregon Health and Science University's Centralized Biobank Laboratory Information Management System. Most of the data entry is done by individual researchers in participating research groups, allowing scientists to still control their data. Rossler and his team carefully train scientists, manage the data behind the scenes, and ensure the smoothest, most complete data set possible. An increasing number of institutions across academia university hospitals, and the biopharmaceutical industry are choosing to create centralized biobanking hubs to coordinate and manage their immense amount of data. As more institutions choose to virtually biobank their data, the possibilities of virtual laboratory information management will continue to grow and evolve. At some point, data sharing and some of this work will hopefully go beyond the walls of a single institution. We're working with a couple other universities where we're sharing data with other groups outside of just our hospital because there's this network of researchers that are all focused on the same topic. And I think that's kind of the direction eventually everything's going to go in, that we don't have these silos are the walls of these silos are going to slowly come down in regards to data. A lot of the development going forward is going to be on data and how do you best use analytics and machine learning to, to take all of your disparate data across the institution, get it into a centralized hub, and then what new information can you learn once you put everything together? We're not there yet. For us, still humans have to try to make those leaps of making assumptions or guessing at a hypothesis of how does this data relate to one another. But I think it, at some point, machine learning I think is going to get to the point where it's going to be able to discover things that maybe we never would have anticipated, we never would have saw coming. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to this episode's supporter, LabVantage. If you enjoyed this podcast, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. Join us next time to keep talking science.